Welcome back to When Cinephiles Attack, a weekly podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship. I'm Rashawn, and I'm here with Mella, Josh, and Lacey. Before we get started right here, right now, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and give y'all a thank you for pressing play while you're on your phone or computer, desktop or laptop. In your uh, car, and- driving to work. Well, no, no, don't. Actually, this part, I don't think they should be in their car for this, what Rashawn's going to say. If you're in your car, you can wait until you get where you're going. Because I just know, I know you are stuck on the one-on-one right now. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead and hit follow, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. You can find us all over the place. Give us a follow. We would greatly appreciate it. Find us on social media at CinephileAttack. Instagram and Twitter, send us some suggestions, hit us up, slide in the DMs if you're feeling nasty or not. <laughs> Please no. See Josh and Mella get aggressive, I get real sexual. <laughs> <laughs> sure do. Uh but yeah, show us some love. We show it right back and we look forward to hearing more from you. Hey y'all. Hey, hey Rashawn. How we doing? Doing good, doing great. Rashawn. We- I yes, have watched ma'am. two episodes of Fear Street so far, and I have okay. one more to go, and I fucking love it. I love yeah? it. Yeah, I'm you so You passed me. I, ha- I haven't watched part two or part three yet. Two is better. I liked better? one. Two is okay. really good. Does two have anything as gnarly as the bread slicer kill? Oh, well, no. No, that was insane that was crazy <laughs> i sat on the couch i was like tucked into the couch pillows around me like <clears throat> as she went through that was insane i think my mouth was just open yeah you don't think it's gonna happen no yeah. you think for sure she's gonna get out of it but that's the best kind of slasher movie yeah. like yeah. it's based off of rl stein so i mean you can't go wrong especially for younger horror but i think they're just doing an excellent job with it i'm excited to see how they wrap it up yeah me too especially with the periods that they've chosen for the next yeah yeah what about anyone else what y'all been watching ted lasso's back baby (laughs) (laughs) ted lasso season two has started that's all i'll be watching on repeat they're doing a weekly release which I'm always a fan of. I actually really enjoy when streaming services do weekly releases. I didn't discover Ted Lasso season one until it was all done. And Thomas, our friend Thomas, had told me for the 80th time to watch it. And I finally (laughs) did. Oh my God, I love this show. I mean, there's nothing nothing I can add that either you don't already know if you've watched Ted Lasso or you haven't been told a thousand times by the rest (laughs) of the people in your life that watch ted lasso yeah season two is is up so that's it (laughs) season two of ted lasso baby (laughs) i'm excited to watch i am like when i hear somebody say oh you don't watch ted lasso oh my god you would love it so i just need to get on it but i'm stuck watching love island season three baby christ (laughs) back on our bullshit (laughs) it's so fucking good y'all god damn for everyone listening that watches uh shitty reality shows if you haven't tapped into love island i would start at season one i really would season three it's a little laggy um i feel like this they got the producers are just fucking producing the fuck out of it and like i get it They do that on all reality shows, but I feel like they're just talking about the same fucking things all the time. And you're like, come on, I want to like get into some drama. I want to see some bitches throw some stuff, but it (laughs) hasn't happened yet. I want to see a hair pull. Exactly. So you said, how many seasons are there? This is season. This is season three of the US. So I don't understand. This is just 
and I get it. Someone could look at a comic book and not understand any of it. So I know this is just how my brain is wired. Mm -hmm. But when you're able to differentiate, watch season one, season three is laggy, whatever, whatever. I watched quite a few seasons of Survivor with Lacey. That's her that's her favorite reality game mm -hmm. show. If you gave me a picture of all the contestants that I've watched on Survivor, one, I couldn't tell you who's from what season. But okay. two, I couldn't even match up two that were in a season together. How do you differentiate it from not just being one long season in your head? I super get that because during core, we were watching so many of the same type of show. We were watching Too Hot to Handle. We right. were watching Love Island. We were watching Are You the One? So when we would sit down to watch something, I'd be like, wait, what happened to Alicia and Sean? And Sean's like, no, that was too hot to handle. I'm like, okay, wait, what about Brittany and, and Sam? And they're like, no, that's the other show. So I'm like, fuck. Rashawn's just got a journal. Yeah. So I'm like, Taking I'm not notes. doing it alone. You need a partner in this. But I also think because there is only three seasons, I don't have to look back that far. It's also empty calories. So yes. you watch it and then you toss it out. You know, you right. don't really hold hold on to it. Did you guys see the trailer for the new dating show on Netflix? I just saw it oh, today. God, sexy beasts. Hell yeah, I can't do it. No, I don't do a whole lot of reality TV. It's I'm very selective with it. But I saw the trailer for it, and I was like, I might have to try an episode or two. I I just have to see how this works. We got the a fan are crazy. Do, do you know we what got it is, a Mel? demon. Oh. The prosthetic one, yeah. Yes. This that looks fucking I I'm with you, Lacey. I have I to just, just see what the fuck is up. So good. good. Hopping out of the reality bag. What are we fighting about today? Rashawn. Josh. I watched for the first time ever Bad Times at the El Royale. Me. I only watch who they tell me to watch. Who's they? Management. Baby, it's my Would you mind opening up the door? No, I ain't gonna do that. We have to get as far away from him as possible. Howdy. Bad Times at the El Royale is a 2018 thriller. Written and directed by Drew Goddard. It stars Dakota Johnson, Chris Hemsworth, Cynthia Erivo, Jeff Bridges, John Hamm, Louis Pullman, Nick Offerman, Xavier Dolan, and Kaylee Spaney. This movie tells the story of seven strangers who convene at the famed El Royale, a hotel that sits on the California Nevada state line. Over the course of one night, Secrets are revealed and lives intertwine in very unforgettable ways. You guys, I have brought many a movie to the podcast. I've even brought some that I've called my favorite movies of all time. I think that was the first movie I brought. But I don't think that there is another movie that we've done on the show thus far that is so completely me more than Bad Times at the El Royale. It's an ensemble cast. It's not a horror movie, but it's a thriller. Everyone has secrets. There's crackling dialogue. There's great direction. I think the cinematography and set design is out of this world. I'm a big fan of Cabin in the Woods, but I love Bad Times at the El Royale. I think it is far and away a better movie. Might be alone in that regard. Don't let horror fans listen to this. I'm sorry. <laughs> Much respect to Cabin in the Woods. But this movie is just catnip to my pussy. You know what I mean? Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I know that this movie is something that I just don't think is, is being made as much anymore in the past, over the past 15, 20 years. It's a mid-level, mid-budget character actor driven drama there's no ip involved there's no franchise there are quite a few stars in it but it's just a it's just a movie 
<laughs> and you know they probably sold it on the name of cabin in the woods but for the most part this is just an original story about original characters in one location and i am a huge fan of it so i think i'm pretty sure how i know how carmela feels about it but this is a very untested property that i brought and then last week it showed up on the best of the decade list and i was very surprised i got a text from my friend (laughs) after he had watched it and he had put that on one of his possible list and it ended up on the best of the decade so i'm very interested to hear what the other vetter thinks about this movie so i'm gonna save you for last melabella talk to me um so this is my second watch i did not like it the first time i watched it (laughs) Fuck, I, I didn't. I just talk about bad times at the Hell, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> but I do think I fell asleep. And that was not because I was super tired. I was just like <laughs> really bored. I, I didn't get it. I don't know. I wasn't in my movie big. Literally um, turned to her in the dark at the AMC and she was out like a light. Like, like <laughs> fucking asleep because when I watched it again... I would I didn't remember full fucking plot points. So, that's on me. But Rashawn, I think you have my opinion a little wrong. Okay. I actually really like this movie. <gasps> I do. I do. It reminds you said that movies like this aren't being made nowadays and I think that's very true. And I asked you in the beginning like who wrote it and you told me about Cabin in the Woods and I told you that it's it kind of had the same banter as cabin in in the woods and i fucking love that movie so why wouldn't i like this one right i think this movie reminds me of a play Mm -hmm. it reminds me of the theater because everything is so over the top from the characters to the accents to the set pieces to the plot itself and i wouldn't say exactly catnip to my pussy but just like a (laughs) lesser version of that so, yeah. Well, now that you repeated it, I can't edit it out. So. <laughs> See what I did there? Yeah. Um, well, so, hold him accountable to his horny, horny. Yes. So, um, I give this movie a thumbs up, but I'll get into a little of the nitty gritty later on. Oh, God. Okay. Um, Joshua Vetter. Rashawn. Yeah. This movie fucks. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> I don't know if we've ever been this hardcore on the same side. I don't think we have. Year two is the year of Jashawn, baby. (laughs) Just kidding. I know it's coming up and this alliance is going to end shortly. Yeah. Um, Give it a couple episodes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When we were doing our best of the decade episode before we recorded that evening, I wanted to watch this that day because I know how much you like it and I wanted to get it out of the way because it's part of the decade. So I watched in the morning, and this movie is catnip to my pussy. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I'm a Sorkin fanboy, so and it's not just Sorkin dialogue, but I love crispy, crackly dialogue. This movie Mm -hmm. has got it. A good performance can change my opinion of a movie, and no one misses in this movie. Drew Goddard has... Tapped into Chris Hemsworth, I think, better than any director has. Yep. I I think Chris Hemsworth is an amazing Thor. I think he does things that a lot of actors would look silly doing as Thor. But Drew Goddard is able to get something out of Chris Hemsworth that I think not a lot of directors have managed to yet. I mean, John Hamm is... He's the coolest fucker in the world, For dude. Real. Dakota Johnson's and Kaylee Spaney are great. Cynthia Erivo is unbelievable. And Jeff Bridges is unfathomably good in this. <laughs> Just casually excellent. The the pie scene when he's telling Cynthia about his condition, mm-hmm. the vulnerability he's able to tap into, but at the same time, the whole time as the viewer, you're like, I feel sorry for him, but something's not fucking right. And the cinematography is fantastic. And dude, this movie fucks. <laughs> 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 to steal a line from Rashawn. Can I have my first... Outside of Scream, I think the first few episodes were like safety nets. Yeah, yeah. Scream. Now that now that we're in the deep end, (laughs) 
Can I have my first four for four? Let's find out. Rashawn, I I did not know what to expect going okay. into it. I remember when the trailer came out and Josh and I were both like, ooh, we should see this. And we just never did. It it kind of disappeared after being in theaters. Like it wasn't yeah. like Cabin in the Woods where it popped up all over the place. Everyone was talking about it. It just kind of fizzled. Um, yeah. So I forgot about it. You had it brought to the pod. And listen, I'm just going to say after everything we've been through on the pod. You mean last week? Everything we've been through. You deserve this. Last week was crazy. (laughs) (laughs) You deserve this. Okay. This movie is like catnip to my pussy. Let's go! (laughs) Shit! This movie's so fucking good, Rashad. I I loved every minute of it. I loved every minute of it. I think it is... I I texted Josh because we had to watch it separately as I was watching it, and I was like, stylistically thematically dialogue writing wise this is exactly my my cup of tea as far as movies go and i num 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 num, num ate it up ate it up so 444 baby finally wow, you really <laughs> finally. did that I'm going to pretend that this is for Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. No, oh my no don't bring it up. Thanks, guys. <laughs> He's going to superimpose us talking about that. And yeah. for this point, yeah. is just going to be the Charlie's Angels episode. <laughs> oh, okay. That I feel like we needed this after last week. Absolutely. Except for fucking Carmella. What? There, there some- is, I will say it didn't bother me. But if okay. people thought this movie was too long, I w- couldn't argue that. People, it, me. It, <laughs> Shut up, I Carmella. Right Why can't I have this? Why can't I have this? I said a lot of nice things already. Why don't you just what? get over long movies? I literally can't because they're so long. <laughs> <laughs> this is not longer than Titanic. We're not going to do this. Well, no, no, no. Let's do it. <laughs> We're going to compare this to Titanic. Do you remember where you... No, not that part. Do you remember oh. where you fell asleep the first time around? Like, where did it dip for you? Do um, you remember the movie? Oh, girl. I remember <laughs> waking up at the at the Chris Hemsworth Park because the screen was so bright. And, I, you know, it's, like, very dark up until that point. And then I was like, oh, oh shit. I'm awake now. And when then, he's walking through the field. Yes. Okay. And that's like way into that's the movie. That's the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't remember when I fell asleep. Uh, I feel like I fell asleep sometime between them finding out that it was all the mirrors were behind the rooms. Which so at the beginning. the beginning. Oh my God, Carmella. Okay, I fell asleep there and then I woke up and at then the I end. fell asleep again. Like I oh. fell asleep for large chunks. So much so that when... Um, Mello really said, REM cycles, I got them. Got you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Who no, are you Lil... Pullman? Yes. What's Miles. his name? Miles. Miles, yeah. Miles gets the buckshot, and I remember waking up in the theater and being like, what's wrong with his face? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was just so bad. So that's why I'm like, I remember bits and parts, but not enough to make a cohesive film. I do want to say... We can't not talk about this movie because there are so many twists in it. Pause this if you're interested in this movie. It's so fucking good. If yep. you like a good whodunit, mm-hmm. you can come back to this episode. I'll allow it once. <laughs> Pause for two and a half hours, go watch it, and then come back and gush it's with so, us. It's so yes. Get a Red so this Bull, movie is, then watch it. <laughs> two and a half hours. I'd say outside of Chris, there's no like bankable stars. Well, Jeff Bridges. So it, it, Jeff Bridges. Yeah. I wouldn't, like, it's not like a movie star, you know? But yeah. he's. Yeah. I'd say the closest is John Hamm, and that's even pushing it. Yeah. So it, it cost, estimated, it cost about $32 million. It made worldwide of almost $32 million. So this is not, was not a huge success, especially coming after Cabin in the Woods. Part of that is probably the runtime. There might have been a lot of Carmelas that bought tickets. Come to think of it, this was before A list, so I probably bought your goddamn. You did. I'm sorry. <laughs> and you fell asleep during the movie. 
Dude, but I yeah. think I think it's a lot more. It was marketed as you know Tarantino that Tarantino didn't direct, which I just don't. I, you all know the love I have for Tarantino. I just don't like that this would be considered like derivative of that at all. I think it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a quick way to kind of market the movie, and I think people went in and saw that it was a lot different than that. It's heavy on allegory. He even calls it out through the Chris Hemsworth back um, flashback. He he wanted to talk about something weightier than the movie looked like. And I mm-hmm. think that just didn't work out for mainstream audiences, I guess. Is it bad to compare this to Tarantino? Or you're saying... No, I just... the What I've seen is that people are like, this is... Like you know, great value, that, Tarantino. A, a ripoff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or it want it really wants to be Pulp Fiction. I I hate oh, Pulp Fiction. Whatever. I don't I've heard I've, yeah, I've heard people say it really wants to be Pulp Fiction mixed with um the magnificent. Uh, Hateful Eight. Oh, Hateful Eight. Thank yeah. So yeah, so this came out three years after Hateful Eight, and that was Tarantino's last movie. So the comparisons were there, and they do both use you know an ensemble of people to kind of make an allegory about our country and where we are and things. But I just, this just is, I love hateful eight, but this just feels, I don't know. It's, it's more catnip. <laughs> I want to play a little mini game. Ooh. If you had something in mind for this or Sean, stop me. Cause this is you're the host and I don't want to step. It has to do with the film, re- the, the film reel. Oh mm. uh, yeah. Okay. We talked about it, but. The, oh, well, who does everyone think was on it? Do I haven't looked it up. But I think I have a pretty solid guess. JFK. Everyone, it's got to be JFK, That's right? That's okay. But with a black so woman. <gasps> oh. it, I think it's actually, and I'm going to look it up to check, but I think it's Bobby. Mm. Oh, okay. Bobby. JFK died in 63 or 64. He was assassinated. Right. 63. And this, this is 69. Okay. Well, because I said, well, because Rosie was like, well, he's dead. And Chris Hemsworth says sometimes what's more important is the memory of a person. Yeah. When was when did Bobby die? Maybe it could also be MLK. Perhaps. That'd yeah. be fucking wild. That's why I mean it's about, still pretty wild. So Bobby died in sixty eight. Oh, okay. So it could be I think it's Robert F. Kennedy. But the thing about MLK is that the FBI was already investigating him. The FBI killed MLK. So Yeah. Hey, welcome and... to Josh's political corner. <laughs> Don't start. Don't start. Uh, the FBI not killed Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, that's been wrong. this week's Josh's political corner. <laughs> and also, his his infidelity was was already known. Right. So I don't I don't think that would have been as lucrative as a Kennedy. Yeah, I'm pretty. I mean, I think it's a Kennedy for sure. Yeah. So I want to ask. There's a huge ensemble. Who was your favorite character? Jeff fucking Bridges. Dude, he's so good. It's insane. He's so good. So, he's so good that it doesn't look like he's trying. At all. Yeah. It's effortless. It's like, completely yeah. effortless. That's, I, said it, I said it in the text to Lacey, and I said it when I was explaining this. I, the only adverb I can think of is he is unfathomably good. I don't <laughs> understand how good he is. I don't know if I've seen him in anything else, to be honest. And then that's uh, fine. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> He's that you... good in everything, I promise. You see him as a dude, no? I have right. not. Abort. She fell asleep. No, I haven't watched it. I haven't wa- it's, on, it's on my list, as you all know. Yeah, does it seem like a movie I'd watch? I only thought you had seen it because you did the, the whole Lebowski play. Oh, yeah. What a wreck. Um, My <laughs> favorite character... I would say John Hamm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like really short, but I think the whole Southern dick vacuum salesman is just <laughs> so good. I feel like he has, that's like a whole monologue for the top of the movie. It's just oh my God. going. Yeah. And I, at one point I was thinking at it from like an acting standpoint. And I'm like, would I ever be able to fucking learn these lines? No, absolutely I- not. I couldn't fucking look away from the screen too. That yeah. whole first ten minutes where it's just John Ham being John Ham, I couldn't look away. <laughs> but then the reveal that that's not 
who he really is. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. he's putting on he's putting on the dialect and the kind of the smarmy salesman act. And then when he saves Rosie and is so sincere and sweet and really wants to help and protect, it's very sad. Two things. First, I love that his death is so early because it makes the best scene in the movie that more tense because you think anybody can die. So the scene between Mm -hmm. Cynthia and Dakota there's a chance that she could shoot through the mirror, you know, because John Hamm died. And then there's what I've noticed this time watching it. There's a moment when he first discovers all the mirrors and he's watching Dakota and he sees her pull in Rosie and tie her to the chair. And then he gets distracted and keeps walking. And it's not until he walks past the mirror that she grabs the rifle. So he doesn't know that she has the rifle. And mm. I just thought that was such like a small, it's a really, really small detail. I don't even know if it matters, but a different movie would have him, would probably miss that and maybe have him mm-hmm. see the gun and still go in. Mm-hmm. But a, I think it's such a smart, small detail in the screenplay that he's an FBI, he's an agent. So if he had seen her holding the rifle, he might've hesitated to bust into the door. That is one loose thread that, I could see people not understanding is why he was recovering these wiretapping devices. And I'm assuming it's, I guess I filled in the blanks that it was because the FBI or CIA was also looking to track or tap whoever was also being tracked or tapped by the hotel itself. I mean, is that right? I mean, cause do we ever get a, a, a concrete reason why he's there? No. I kind of love that the red herring because you think that's what the movie is going to be about. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it's and it and it is it's a whodunit red herring. Yeah, but I can also see how some people might because I got hung up on it a little bit, but I also it's also established pretty early on that very important people used to come here until they lost their gambling license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by evidence of how many wiretaps from the honeymoon suite, both yeah. from the FBI mm-hmm. and from the hotel itself. Watching him pull those tappings out of the wall is so satisfying. I don't know why. It really was. <laughs> like I, it just so was. I, I don't think he did not have much dialogue after that first introduction scene. He did not say very much in the mm-hmm. last 20 minutes that he's in the film. And he was fucking riveting. He was yeah. so good. I do want to talk about the sequence of him discovering the mirrors in the hallway because I was eyes glued to the screen and no interactions were happening no dialogue was happening it's just him discovering what's happening in each room and he's kind of the vessel for you as the viewer and you have Cynthia Rivo's hauntingly beautiful voice echoing up and down the halls setting that tone for you but something really bothered me oh, in that no. sequence no Emily Dakota Johnson is smuggling her sister into the room. With the door open. And she leaves the fucking door open the whole time, Rashawn. She is not thinking clearly. I will offer up a weak argument that she thinks that she is far enough away from Billy Lee and that no one's paying attention and that her focus is on Rosie. Yeah, I wrote it off too. If we can, if I can simp for this movie as well, I wrote it off. I wrote it off as she knows that she stole Rosie from Billy Lee, but in her mind, she's not doing anything wrong. So if someone were to come up to her and be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" she would say, "This is my sister. I'm helping her." X Y Z. In her mind, she's not doing anything illegal that she needs to hide. She's not she- hiding from something illegal, though. She's not trying to hide. Like the what she's doing to her sister, she's trying to hide from a sociopath. That's not. I love you, and I love this movie, but that's not a strong enough argument. All she had to do was kick it with her foot, kick it closed. That's all I'm asking. I did. I mean, that did catch my attention too. That she just had the door open. Doesn't matter. This movie's perfect. <laughs> I, I <laughs> minus so, the open door. Yes, I agree. No, I will say to change the subject because I don't want. I don't want to hear it. Um, (laughs) something that drew goddard does really well he does it well in this he's done it really well in 
Cabin in the Woods, and I believe Drew Goddard, didn't he show run Daredevil? I think he's an executive producer. Executive producer. Also The Good Place. And Buffy. If you like any of the dialogue that he did in this movie, watch Buffy. Buffy! He's done some of The Good Place. Yeah. Something I noticed in this movie and in Cabin in the Woods, as the director, he might have that influence. He put so much trust in wide shots and he trusts his actors kind of like we talked about like a play he trusts his actors to fill that out and he trusts the story to fill it out so many scenes in this movie were from the pov of just of the one-way mirror Mm -hmm. and we were just watching through the mirrors a wide shot of cynthia pacing her room singing a wide shot of nick offerman i mean the beginning with nick offerman doing the whole bit of him hiding the money it's so like, cool. It's so it's good. So, like, he puts a lot of trust in in the wide shot and his actors and the scenery and, and, and the setting filling out that wide shot, and I think it really pays off. Yeah, the set design is, mm-hmm. is incredible. They built this entire hotel. God, it's so... This movie it's fucks. So you can tell. Hotel, I really hotel. liked how... Holiday Inn. <laughs> hotel. Motel. <laughs> they're gonna start there they go they're on it just let them have it (laughs) sorry let's go i really liked mela how you said um it's it felt theatrical and i think Mm -hmm. that's a huge reason why i loved it so much because it felt i mean the the takes were also very long they they, there were very long takes for each person each scene unless it was intentionally the suitcase clipping and unclipping you know as they're Mm. setting things up um and i think that goes right back to what you were saying josh about drew goddard just trusting his actors and the writing to tell the story yeah there are a bunch of like really shocking moments in this but there's not a lot of spectacle. It's just very authentically, it, as Rashawn usually says about a movie, it knows exactly what it is. And it's delivering on that. Mm-hmm. Come on, quote me. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, fully agree. And back to what Rashawn said, I was going to piggyback off. I also like how the three of us are just talking so Carmela can't say anything bad. That's awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> I need you to pull out some, you said you were going to pit some nicks, nick some picks. I need well, you to pick Gather your thoughts, Mel, while I finish another compliment. Rashawn mentioned how how great it was that John Hamm dies early, and I fully agree, because the only the only thing I can equate it to, and it sounds silly, but the first season or two of The Walking Dead, where it truly felt like, oh, I don't know who the main character is. Anyone could die. It makes you think John Hamm is the main character. It's a, it's a nod to Psycho, you know? Yeah. Marion. Marion's in the movie for about a good 30 minutes. Yeah, and then from that moment on, you're like, there's no main character. Anyone could fucking die. With the Jeff Bridges smashing the bottles, like, did that kill him? I don't know. It could have. At the end of the movie, when Dakota Johnson, who seems like this sort of secondary only to Cynthia Erivo, gets yeah. shot and bleeds out. So yeah. It made the roulette game so stressful and so intense. I mean, in a way that I don't think I've... I've ever experienced in a movie situation. The typical movie goer in me is like, oh, someone's going to tip over. Someone, you know, they're, no one's going to die or he's going to shoot something else and scare them. There was that part of me that was fighting against it, but like they really built up a world where anything could happen and fulfilled it. It was, it was very startling. And then it was so heartbreaking as she's laying there bleeding out and her sister's just watching it happen. I mean, that's... She didn't give no fucks. That storyline, the Rose side of people that live with trauma and what it does to them and their mental state if un- it goes as deep as it does unchecked. And, and then the, the sibling, Emily, who has basically devoted her life to protecting her sister and... It's mm-hmm. still not enough, and like that whole subplot is gut wrenching. They handled it yeah. really well. They they handled that and the parallels that they drew between their father and Billy Lee and his relationship to Rosie. It was extremely disturbing and reminiscent of the times and the Charles Manson cult mm-hmm. and 
it was really devastating. It was really sad. And even to the point, even when she died and gets shot, she falls on him, like draping herself over him. They handled it in such a way, Rose's best. Sorry, I'm still talking. I don't care. This movie fucking rocks. I don't care. I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> Go ahead. They, they handled Rose in such a way that in a lot of movies, if you saw that character like fighting back against Emily, her sister, and, and fighting back against all this help, you'd be like, Rose, what the fuck are you doing? Stop. Like, stop pushing back but the the flashbacks were so deftly placed and and they told you just enough about what happened between rose and her father and despite all that she had his fatigues at the beach with her and it told you just enough where you're like oh no this this girl is suffering this is not her she can't help it and it's not her fault i got angry at rose for calling billy lee but at no point as a viewer, was I ever like, Rose sucks. She's so dumb. I was like, oh, fuck, Rose, no. I was. <laughs> Here we go. Talk about it. Let's I was like, it. just shoot her. She's good. <laughs> Who are you telling to shoot her? Anyone with a gun. <laughs> we would not be in this predicament. Darlene and Father Flynn would have been well on their way. Well, they don't know that Rose caused that. They didn't know that. I know that. We know that. <laughs> oh my god! This little bitch is setting fires in the sh- jumping off the chandeliers. Like, yeah. Well, at that point, it's like they're all tied up. Not yet. Not when she's like doing the little chandelier thing. Yeah, but they're not. They're not in the hotel at that point. They're in their room. They're oh, not right. in the lobby. I don't know. Miles at for, is tied up at there. one yeah. point, I I had a little twist. Like, I once I think she sat there and saw her sister die. I was like. Uh, someone's gotta shoot this bitch. Sorry, <laughs> someone's gotta take one to the temple because yes, I get what you're saying, Josh. Like she's been through so much, but so has Emily, and she's doing all right. She's trying to get it together. And at a certain point, it's like that is she. Your sister is no longer there anymore. Completely just a sociopath, and she's gone. So like, let's just shoot her. Well, I think that's a, I think that I think those characters are a. Uh, perfect display of the duality of trauma response one is fight and one is flight Mm -hmm. and i think we're seeing that in both of them and they're together and emily is fight and she's gonna do whatever the fuck she can to protect herself and protect her sister and rosie is is flight and she's gonna she runs to whatever makes her feel safest and that unfortunately is billy lee i also think everyone outside of rosie comes to the hotel and they live completely in the gray area of of good and bad, heaven and hell. Obviously, a, a lot of the, the double imagery and a lot of that is not very subtle, but I don't really mind because I think it's handled really well. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the choices, whether it's Darlene, whether it's Emily, all of the choices that they make, they kind of dabble in what's good or what's bad, but they do what they have to do to survive and i think emily is i think dakota johnson is so fucking good in this movie she's a survivor you know Mm -hmm. so maybe she had to kill john ham but she's doing that for the farther outcome which is saving her sister from an even bigger and look what happened evil look what happened well (laughs) what would you have done you would have let you would have let the cia agent take you in mella would have closed the door yeah Period. That doesn't matter. I mean, honestly, to go back to the door <laughs> thing, I I just shut it what? down as like, okay, it's a cool, it's a cool mirror image up against the mirror and the door. And John Ham didn't discover Rosie because the door was open. No, I'm. I know that. She's just. She's just. I'm just saying what I would have done. I would have closed the door. Okay, nothing would have changed then. John Ham would have still seen you in the mirror. Now what? Nothing. The door would have just been closed. That's all. That's all and then he saying. still would have kicked it in. He still would have been dead. We're and past John. I'm saying I would have <laughs> shot Rosie later. With who? As who? Who are As, you? Are you Emily? I'm Cynthia. I'm the priest. I'm little. They don't ever see Rosie until they're they don't tied meet up. Her until later. Yeah. I'm still gonna fucking shoot this bitch. I don't know how. <laughs> how? They the to. the moment they get the chance to shoot her, they do. So and they I don't, don't know. They don't what even know. About. They don't know she's the one that called Billy Lee. All they know is Billy Lee is there, and she's on his side. They can see that she's on his side. She's yeah. all, "Hey, Billy." And they have fucking RoboCop 
take her out. What? What? Oh, be nice. We haven't talked about him at all, and I thought. No, I mean we haven't. We haven't uh, talked about. I mean, he's got RoboCop targeting aim. That's what I mean. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying his acting is amazing. I'm talking about his aim. His aim is RoboCop. Lewis Pullman is so good. He has the wettest eyes. Aww. I just feel for him immediately. I think he's very, very good in the part. He's like yeah. a little Norman Bates just watching. Nope. She wants to fuck Lewis Pullman. So what? Lewis <laughs> <laughs> Pullman's the catnip for my pussy. <laughs> yes, yes. It's the little things for me when everyone's uh, first getting into their rooms. The need he has to present the hotel every time someone comes in. Like Dakota Johnson storms in and she's like, I want a room. And he's like, okay, let me um, come around and present California and Nevada. And she's like, no, I'll take this. (laughs) It just crushes his heart. What was he doing beforehand? Shooting up heroin up. Okay. Okay, I think, Rashawn, you were talking about the duality and like everybody being in a in a gray area in this movie. And I think Lewis Pullman as Miles, that character especially, is the best example of it in the movie. I mean, aside from what he did in the war, what he's doing at the hotel is completely vile and disgusting and awful. But you still, like, your heart just breaks for him after all the trauma that he's endured and all of, of the experiences that he's had to go through. And yeah. I, I mean, the, his whole pleading to be redeemed and to be forgiven, you know, the whole, I mean, the last 45 minutes of the movie, that's like his main goal. I mean, his death sequence is true. I cried. I, I thought it was when uh, that's part Lewis Pullman, part Jeff Bridges, their performances. Yeah. And Cynthia Revo's delivery of help him is just so like, oh, yeah. it's just beautifully done. Something that bothered me a little bit when he, he said he's killed 123 people. The highest confirmed kill count for one person in the Vietnam War was Carlos Hathcock with 93. Joshua. What? Uh, Who cares? It could be unconfirmed. It could be unconfirmed. But. I don't think we're going for realism. In, I don't, in, that's, that's, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Did he also. I don't. Was it just the war? I took it as just like completely. Like the war and possibly other things. I took it as he killed a hundred Vietnamese soldiers in the war, and he kept counting. Yeah. I mean, that's mm. again uh, in my reading of the character because he was uh, racked with guilt. He was that kind of person. He would keep track of every person he killed in the war. Yeah, yeah. I thought possibly, which I guess wouldn't be killing, but like maybe he's seen some shit where like people have died. So that's not necessarily him killing them, but it's like if he would have maybe stepped in or not watched this, the guilt wouldn't have been sitting with him and he still kept mm-hmm. count. Like, I watched that guy beat up that prostitute and now she's dead and I feel like that's still a part of me mm-hmm. killing her. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a great point. That monologue uh, is, is chilling. Yeah. Cynthia Revo's I'm bored moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Darlene is... I love that you know, a black woman is a dark skinned black woman with shortcut hair is the lead of this movie. And I love the subtle ways, some of them not so subtle, but I love the ways that he has her navigate every man she comes into contact with. Mm-hmm. She's never, she's, she's a victim at some points, but she's never a loser. Mm-hmm, and right. I think even the way she responds to John Hamm initially, he refers to her as girl he assumes that she'll definitely know someone that needs a vacuum. He doesn't even have to do that, but he kind of pumps it up because he's like, oh, there's a there's a black woman. And she has she's coming in with a bunch of accoutrements, as he says. Uh, <laughs> so she must be doing something sinister. And I love the way that he kind of Drew Goddard kind of slowly takes her from the bottom of the totem pole to the top. By the end of the movie, she is she's clearly the the most morally good character in the mm-hmm. whole movie. Mm-hmm. But the situation, setting it in the 60s and making her a black woman that wants to be a soul singer. He uses that to kind of 
comment on everyone else around her. Can I get as intellectual as I'll get on the podcast? What it do? Shouts out to show me the meaning on Wisecrack. Because um, I the way you said everyone is kind of gray and and it's all this the El Royale is about the two sides, good and bad. To me, it, it, it felt like that. But it also a little bit felt like all these characters came in and they they were sort of at a position on the good to bad spectrum. Some of them further on one side than the other. By virtue of being at the El Royale, the El Royale pulled them in the opposite direction of wherever they were. If they were good, it pulled them bad. If they were bad, it pulled them good. And if they were stubborn and didn't didn't go with the El Royale, they ended up dead. John Hamm was good. He was a good man. He was told by his superiors not to interfere with Rosie. He did, he did anyway, and it got him killed. Mm-hmm. Dakota Johnson's character, she never she never wavered. She was bad with good intentions, and she never wavered. She stayed who she was, and it got her killed. Specifically, this comes in with, we'll take Jeff Bridges and Cynthia Erivo. Jeff Bridges started bad, and through meeting Cynthia Erivo and, and everyone else, he started to lean good he let it change him for the better and Cynthia Revo kind of got a little worse she kind of started she started good and kind of helped out this criminal and sort of edged into the morally morally gray area but where I see that the most is Miles is Lewis Pullman's character because he started bad and he kept asking for forgiveness and that's all he wanted and, and that's what his new goal was and it kept him alive he survived buckshot to the face he survived the roulette round and then finally after he kept going i can't kill anymore i can't kill anymore he was convinced to kill again and go back to where he started in the bad moral area and killed again and that got him killed in this ted talk i will (laughs) see i disagree actually disagree is a wrong word because if that's the interpretation you took from it then i love it I think that all of these characters, yes, there's a good and bad and there's a line straight down the middle, but I think it's more about perception than anything. And I don't think that decides their fate. I think this is the end of the road. The bad, the El Royale is the end of the road for all of these characters. And it's how they, it's, it's what they do in their final minutes of their life because outside of two people, everyone dies. So I think this is the end of the road for them. I don't think their actions decide if they live or die. I think it's what are you doing in your final moments that decide where you go after this. If you go to California or Nevada. (laughs) Right. Because Miles is the only person that dies in the middle. Everyone else either dies in California or they die in Nevada. So I think it's it's a pretty heavy-handed uh, purgatory allegory, but I think it, it works because he does such great character work with everyone before they die. Yeah. I don't know. What a good movie. Oh. Fucking good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone uh, else got some slick shit they want to say? I just want to sing Cynthia Revo's praises one last time. I thought she, she was my favorite part of this whole movie. I thought she was phenomenal and then i read afterwards after watching it that all of her singing is live she Mm. did all of it her take i think i read she she sang that one song the isley brothers the isley brothers she sang it 27 times in a row Mm -hmm. for for those takes and i just i think she is an absolute goddess i just i love her the you can't hurry love scene with Dakota Johnson on the other side of the glass and Jeff Bridges. Try- That's movies to me. Mm-hmm. With that Jeff is where Bridges. the movie oh, sinks. God, dude. Her When Literally. she turned her back and realized he needs to hammer, so she's just clapping. clapping. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. I, got, I just and got goosebumps talking about like, it, dude. Because he's set up the John Hamm thing, she could die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was Dakota was the one that killed him. So this is a moment where... Cynthia Revo could die in that moment. And mm-hmm. the first time I watched it, I was just like, She's gone. oh my God, this movie fucks, fucks, fucks. I have a boner in my popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> oh he, my said, God. I, he said, I'll take some popcorn with butter and cream, please. Ew, Joshua. Speaking of creaming, no. uh, Chris, what's up, Chris? We did talk about Chris. We did talk about Chris. I, I will say... <laughs> 
His accent, his accent on the beach was worse than his accent in the hotel. I don't know if he was oh, having I love an off his day. Accent. His accent in the hotel was crisper and more specific to California dude. It was a little, it was a little muddy on the beach when I was like, oh boy. I thought it but, was just like all around, just like a bullshit accent. Like, I mean, it was. <laughs> it didn't bother me I, at all. I, 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 I took it as bullshit too. Yeah, like I didn't think he was bullshitting like a, as an he did a bad accent i thought mm, he was like okay. as billy putting on whatever he yeah. needed to to get the people he needed to get yeah and he just kept it mm-hmm. yeah. i really liked i feel like that character you can read it on paper and read cult leader and another actor i guess a less of an actor would just know exactly would play it so specific and play it so not specific but like cliche mm-hmm mm. And I think he's just so good because in the scene where Cynthia Revo is just saying, like, I'm fucking bored. Like, this is just, I've seen this before. You're not a new man to me. The face that he has, it's like she broke him down in just a few sentences. And you see the real person for one second. Mm-hmm. All of the cults and all of that has, like, been completely stripped away and I don't know. It's, it was just so fucking good for it to just be in a look. And maybe that's a testament to the directing and the writing. But I think it, it's also to him, too. Yeah. Because, like I said, he could have just easily let that wash over him and played it a totally different way. But uh, it was so good. All the other characters walk into the movie as someone else and they're revealed to be who they actually are. Mm-hmm. He's the only character that is exactly who he pretends to be throughout the entire movie except for that moment that you're pointing out right now right Mm -hmm. such a such a good point this movie fucks (laughs) fucks wow this is how josh feels when he brings a banger to the episode huh yeah dude (laughs) feels pretty good (laughs) i'm gonna enjoy this because i know what i'm bringing in the next few months and it's not gonna go very well (laughs) anything else any other, any more nitpicks, Malabella? See, I didn't even nitpick it that much. All I said you was didn't. it's too long and homegirl needed to be shot in the head. Period. <laughs> Which she was. Yeah. This was, it's really so. funny that you say that because there was, uh, there were focus groups and test screenings. It was much shorter and Drew Goddard got back the results from that and he had taken out a lot of the character moments and a lot of the dialogue. And after the test screening, he put it back in and that's mm. and it was two it's, hours and 20 minutes. That's the thing is like when I was thinking, you know, it takes me a little minute to stew up, but I was like, <laughs> I know I want it to be shorter, but I don't know what I would take out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you silly. That's, <laughs> that's an interesting thing that you, you don't hear a lot about in test audiences is I want it to be longer. Yeah. I don't know if that was like the specific critique, but it was, we need to, I think by the time they got to the roulette scene, they didn't really care about the characters. And that's because he took out a lot of that Mm. exposition and a lot of those character moments. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Even if this wasn't a success, I'm glad he got to make the movie that I think I feel like he wanted to make and make more El Royales. Honestly, Drew Goddard, you're a very successful producer. Good place, Daredevil. Direct more, please. I beg you. We will watch him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's Hollywood. Give him another chance because this movie was the bomb.com. Oh, my God. It was so good. Produce your own. Direct your I don't care. Just direct more. <laughs> it's so good. Y'all want to play a game? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to play a game. All right, everyone. Gird your loins. Riddle me this. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. I guessing games. Come on, boy. Boy, play with me. Really bad. This week, in the spirit of the El Royale and all the characters that come into contact with it, uh, we've talked a lot about duality and double identities and perception and what the characters appear to be and who they actually are. So we're going to play a game called Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. Oh Hannah, Montana. Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. Uh, uh. Here's how this works. I'm going to describe a famous movie character. I'm going to give you two different descriptions. They will most likely be 
in opposition with each other, but they describe the same character. And you need to tell me who the character is and what movie they're from. For example, I would say this character is a loving uncle and a murderous brother. Scar. That would be Scar. That's correct. Oh. Make a little sense? Yeah. Okay. I like this. Okay. Mm. I'm just in a good mood. Wow. <laughs> what an episode. <laughs> Are y'all ready to play Hannah Montana? Yay. <laughs> there are two points available for each each description. Ready? I know how it goes. Uh-huh. This character is a brave princess and a long lost sister. Carmela. Elsa from Frozen? That is incorrect. Long lost sister. Who? who? Oh. Please. Princess Leia from Star Wars? That is correct. Yeah! Good job. Nah, that wasn't um, for me. I need, I'm being a little cruel, I'm being on my Josh shit. I need a specific movie. Oh. I don't know him. I don't know him. No. Yes, no. Put your hand down. Put your hand down. Ra- yeah, uh, em- Empire Strikes Back. That is incorrect. A Rise of the Skywalkers. Yikes. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars A New Hope. That is incorrect. Huh? Carmella? Uh, Star Wars... Into the Spider-Verse. Because you don't find out. I get I get why. Yes. Okay. I get no one why. will get that point. That's okay. We should not find Je- out that they are you, yeah. s- twins until Return of the Jedi. Yeah, Who's twins? Luke and Leia? Oh, Carmella. We'll talk later. Ooh. That's sneaky. I'm mad I, I don't understand. get the point. You got one point. You got point. one point. No one got the point. I don't. But yeah, I she, got, she, got, she got Princess Leia. I know. There's not a lot of cool ones like that, I promise. That okay. one was... Whatever. That's sneaky. You knew damn you, well. You find out she's a print. Okay. Okay. Respect. Already, Yo, as a, cruel, a as a cruel game master, game recognized game. You know what I mean? Respect. <laughs> Taylor's going to be so upset with us. Sorry, Tay. <laughs> well, that's... It's I mean... Upset with you. No, he knew damn well I ain't watching no fucking Star Wars. <laughs> hey, like, game recognized game. They kiss first. Okay. Yeah, it's a whole thing. We'll watch it later. Come out. <laughs> well, really? You don't know? Oh, my God. Most people at least know about it. Whatever. We, we can't get into this. <laughs> Taylor, you're coming back. Oh, God. This character is an anarchist and a soap maker. Oh. I feel like that was a tie. It was. Just forget it. Just leave me out. I don't know his name. You don't? What? Well, <sighs> I know what it's from. Got, he's going to take in the movie. But Josh. Tyler Durden, Fight Club. That is correct. I would have taken the narrator or Tyler Durden. What about Brad Pitt in Fight Club? (laughs) (laughs) I would have taken Fight Club. Damn! (laughs) Next character. This character is an African priestess and a team leader. Priestess? Hold on. Hold on. (sighs) Um, Mel. Is the movie Black Panther? <laughs> Lacey. Is this Storm? That is correct. From X- yeah, 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 yeah. That um, is correct. You're going to make me give a specific one, aren't you? No, I will take the first X Men. Yeah! Okay. Technically, is Halle Berry ever the African priestess in the X Men films? or <laughs> Can you get off your nerd shit? Technically. She had that funky little accent in the first one, so we will see it. <laughs> <laughs> this character. Wait until I finish. Oh, God. I see your fingers, Joshua. I just, they're twitching. <laughs> Is a Delta Nu and a first-year law student. Carmella. She, she went early. She went early. She went early! Elle Woods from Legally Blonde. She went early. <laughs> That's correct. I know you guys can't see her, but she said it like Elle Woods. She sat up and did the nod <laughs> and everything. Sure did. <laughs> If I was going to get one, fuck. You're in the lead with three. Hey! Josh and Mella have two points each. She went early. This character is a talented dancer and a savvy businesswoman. Hold on. I'm using my words carefully, so. Yeah. You will yell at me after this. A very talented dancer. What the fuck? Josh? Fiona from Shrek. <laughs> Fuck. Wait. 
Josh has been eliminated from the game. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Is hands it, ready. Is because this I'm a gonna, stretch? What's up? No, it's not a stretch. Okay. Because I'm going to give you a qualifier. Okay. They are a talented, exotic dancer. Carmela. Ramona from Hustlers. Ah. Yes, that's correct. Melo, you're in the lead with four. What the fuck? Okay. Lacey, three. Josh, two. This character... <laughs> this is a lazy one. It's super easy. Is an editor-in-chief and a devil in Prada. Josh. It's the devil wears Prada. And that's mm-hmm. Meryl Streep's character, whose name is Samantha. Mella? Miranda Priestley. That is correct. Get it. I, I got a point, baby. <laughs> Mella, five. Lacey and Josh both tied with three. Still, still anyone's game. Mm-hmm. This character is a vintage cowboy and an insecure leader. Carmella. <sighs> Dallas Buyers Club. What? I'm so sure. Please. Woody from Toy Story. I, that is correct. Yeah! <laughs> I thought a, that was a good one. That was a good one. I thought because he was leading like the pills and stuff. And that was fine. <laughs> Ma'am. Ma'am. What? What makes him a cowboy? He's a cowboy. He is a cowboy, yeah. Dallas? Hello, Buyers Club? He like wrangles bulls. He's like, yeah, that's rodeo. Dallas. Okay. Mel and Lacey tied with five. Josh got three. Okay. This character is a showstopper and a ruthless prisoner. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I, I saw think it both I, at the same time. I, Fucking this is, this is not shit. being the husband. I did see Lacey's a, a millisecond earlier. Lacey. I don't know if I'm right. I don't know which one you want. Ooh. Say it again. There's only really one. I need one. I need an answer. Say it again. Just get, the, get the movie out at least. With Chicago, Roxy yeah, Hart. That is incorrect. I knew it was. correct. The, I knew it was the other one. God damn it. God damn it. Mella. Velma Kelly, baby. That is correct. Roxy's not good. She's in our intro. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Thought you'd go yeah. that direction. She wants to be Velma, baby. Okay. Damn it! We're still tied. Josh, it is down between the ladies. I'm still going to play spoiler. Are you kidding me? Okay, that's great. (laughs) I live for the drama. (laughs) (laughs) This character is a veteran detective as well as a crooked cop. Josh. Is it training day? That is correct. Let's fucking go, dude. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Was this what the last either one? of you ladies to break the tie? Do either of you ladies know his name? I guarantee it. Denzel Washington. <laughs> <laughs> that is Alonzo Harris from Training Day. Ah, yes. It's right on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> yep. Uh, right there. <laughs> Same. Damn it. I live for the drama. <laughs> Tiebreaker, you ready? No. Six and six, Mel and Lacey. This is for the win. This character is a unique friend and a wish granter. I know. Lacey? The genie from Aladdin? That is correct. Hey! <laughs> That's sweet. Congrats, Aww. Lacey. Thanks! Congrats, beat. Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. Hannah Montana. And wrapping things up, we can come to the conclusion that bad times at the El Royale. It um, didn't do that great at the box office, but I think it's growing in its cult following. I think people that are discovering it are finding many things to like about it, including the incredible cast, the writing, the direction, the set design, and the storytelling. And it might be long for one person in the whole world. Mm. But for everyone else, it's a beautifully crafted allegory with many elements to showcase. And it fucks. And it fucks. And I want to employ everyone to find the movie that is the catnip to their pussy. Aw, there it is. Period. We got a new tagline. (laughs) (laughs) WCA is the catnip to your pussy. (laughs) 
Question mark. <laughs> WCA. Okay. Finding the catnip to your Ooh. pussy. Mouth, I, I smell mouse pads. I smell <laughs> coffee mugs. <laughs> so we end each episode with a quick round of six degrees of separation where we connect an actor from this film to an actor from next week's film. So, who can find the fastest connection between Dakota Johnson and Audrey Tautu? You, I was hoping you would have said anyone else. Literally. <laughs> I was trying to think of the one person I couldn't connect to a Marvel movie. Well, you did it. Are you happy? Yeah, a little bit. I got it. Sorry. Go. Dakota Johnson was in the social network with Andrew Garfield, who was in The Amazing Spider-Man with Sally Field, who is in Forrest Gump, with Tom Hanks, who was in The Da Vinci Code with Audrey Tautu. Congrats, Joshua. Yeah, Josh! That's it for this week's episode of When Cinephiles Attack. As always, I'm going to pull a Carmella. You know what I said in the beginning. (laughs) It feels good. As always, we would love if you followed us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us. Those reviews mean so much. They do a lot to help us continue doing what we do. Uh, bringing you the reviews, bringing you the fights, bringing you the fun. <laughs> you can find this and all of our episodes on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, anywhere you get your shows. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cinephile Attack. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode or you just want to show us some love, email us at When Cinephiles Attack. We got our email. We're having a, an episode dedicated to our first email. It's coming up very soon. From Rashawn, Mella, Josh, and Lacey. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you next week. Goodbye. You know, Mella, Forrest Gump is also two hours and 20 minutes long. Do you hate Forrest Gump, too? No, it has chocolates, and I love chocolates. <laughs> That's, mm. And it has grimp.